Right, hello and welcome to this Sky-focused episode of the Man On podcast. Uh, I'm Craig from the Man On team and I'm joined by Benno this week, um, supposed to continue my learnings into the to Sky Fantasy game. So for those who haven't heard us before on Sky, this is my first season playing Sky Fantasy and this is Benno's second. So my intention is to avoid making sort of the same mistakes that he made in his rookie season last year. So obviously we've had game week one now and there's a few obvious talking points that not only affect our two teams, but I'm sure impact many other managers um, as well. So I suppose we should just crack on, Benno. What were your sort of first thoughts looking back at game week one? Any any sort of big regrets? Um, sort of. I mean, first of all, it was a great week. What a great weekend of football. We, you know, scores were through the roof in all in all fantasy football games. Um, so I got off to a bit of a fly. I got 135 points, so I was well happy with that. Um one of the things I was a bit gutted about, I was really tempted to skip the first game, but the kind of like the group think was, why would you skip the very, very first game of the, of the sky, you know, the sky football season. Um, but luckily I had Tony in my main, in what I consider my main team and he proper jammed uh, five points, didn't he? He got man of the match. Yeah, right at the end. And if it, and if it wasn't for that man of the match, he would have been vindicated to miss it because um, I got, I got four points with Pepe on my other side and would have got four with with Tony. So a bit lucky, really, in that sense. But, yeah, so I, I've had Tony. made. I've already made a transfer straight from Tony to Ings, so we'll talk about that. Got a slight regret about that outside of what, what the outcome might be. So, But overall, yeah, well, happy about 1,000, if I am, a bit just, a, just over. I was quite pleased. 124 for me, um, first time playing. And I was adamant in all fantasy games that I didn't want Tony. I thought like in FPL his ownership was like insanely high. I thought, and because it was six point five, and there wasn't many alternatives at that price point. And I say in Sky it was popular just because it was that Friday game, and I was adamant that he wasn't going to do anything. And within reason, he didn't do anything in either of the two games. And then obviously then he rocked up and got Max Bowers in Sky for. I'm not saying he, he didn't have a good game, but I didn't think he was necessarily worthy of the uh, the Sky bonus. And I say, I think a lot of people gained on me. I had um, Pepe in my second team and Smith Rowe in my main team. Um, and they both only got two points, double to four. So I lost six based on Pepe. Uh, sorry, six based on Tony to both of those two teams. It's not obviously an unassailable amount to claw back, but it was still frustrating. I think that was my big learning. I went to Smith Rowe thinking he was going to be Arsenal's playmaker. But it felt like he was not getting enough of the ball because he was playing too high up the pitch. So he's not going to get those. I think he's going to really struggle to get those passing tiers, for example, which I was kind of had him in the back of my mind that he would get. Like Pepe he was purely there as a potential goal scorer. I didn't expect any of the tiers and anything from him. But for Smith Rowe, I was kind of quietly optimistic that he would be involved enough to at least get tier one passing. And he didn't. And I think that's probably a learning to take forward now that I think he may struggle in other games as well with this because he just plays too high. Probably better off having Xhaka or something if you want the tier one passing. Yeah. You? I was about to mention Jackie. Yeah, I mean, perfect example of, of some of the decisions you have to make on some of the players that, um, you know, if they're reliant on attacking output, then they need to get attacking returns, don't they? And and Xhaka just, you know, plays like that, picking up five points every single week, um, you know, kind of puts them into the mix. It's what makes the game really good, actually, because obviously brings plays like that into the mix, really. So, so yeah, so there you go. So they, they have to get attacking returns to to get anywhere near some of the other players, really. 
I don't think I did a lot else from my defence was pretty fairly standard. I don't think I lost ground on anyone there. Strikers all kind of delivered. It was, I think it's who you went with. I think most people had Bruno in midfield, didn't they? But it's what midfielders you had with Bruno that was going to be the massive difference between like top 1K and top 5K, I think. And I had, I say, Smith Rowe and Gundogan in my main team. We both did nothing. And I a few other people had Barnes and Buendia, people like that. They also yeah. had, But there's obviously a few others that did get a few points. So if you had one of those... A Tielemans or something may have picked up a few more points. Um, I think that'll be the main difference. And I'm, get, I'm guessing that's going to be the way most of the year that midfielders is the, the area of the pitch where there'll be more differentials and slightly more diversity in teams. And it's if you can get that right, I think that seems like it's going to be. I think I've already noticed that from one week that I um, went mm. like Riz Ben Rama, for example, I had in my second team because I had Antonio in my first team and I didn't really want to double up. So I was trying to spread my players more across multiple teams and doubling two attackers from one. Obviously this week, if I'd have gone for both in the same team, I'd have um, done really well out of that. I don't know if that's really a learning, but um, yeah, I think it's yeah. a good part of the pitch where there's, where there's differences. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it before um, from my first season that I spent the majority of the season with four in midfield. And very much like you like you just mentioned, that it's finding those differentials, that all those players that are consistent in, in that area to pick up the points. And if they're not, then you, you you've got a real problem. You've got you know you're using a big chunk of your side to try and you know effectively get those points. Whereas perhaps in defence, where you've got teams who are possession based, centre backs just hitting the tiers every single week, and then you've taken punt, a punt on two, let's say Barnes and Mares, who have both got my side now in a free man midfield. If you're going with plays like that for a long period of time and they're not hitting form or attacking returns, then you leave yourself in the mud, really. So that, that that's kind of something that I'm trying to take forward from this year. Obviously, there will be times when I'll play four in midfield and play three, four, three, but just not for fifty percent of the of the season like I did last season. I think you mentioned the transfer already. Let's get on to transfers. There's a few. So I think I guess there's two big. We'll call them enforced transfer decisions. They're not. I suppose they're not really. Well, one is. So I don't know if you've seen today, but Veltman has been said is definitely not playing game week two for Brighton. And then yeah. obviously Gundogan, who I've got, I haven't got Veltman, Gundogan I have got in both my teams, is obviously, we're not sure what's happening with him either. I think he's been training, but obviously that doesn't mean he plays. So I think they're probably the two main players now that people will be looking to potentially maybe move on. I don't know what your thoughts are. And then it's obviously a difference. Veltman definitely out and Gundogan maybe out. I don't know if that sways things. Mm. Definitely make a transfer or definitely not. Well, I suppose in terms of Gundogan's um in terms of that transfer, you could wait until the game and then make a transfer based on what you fancy on Sunday. So say, for instance, you're playing 4-4-2 and you've got money for, for Son, you could see if Gundogan plays on the Saturday and if he hasn't, you could decide, right, I'm going to get Son in up front. Um, or perhaps another play that you that you, you like on the Sunday. So that might be the play for, for Gundogan. Um, as far as Veltman goes, I don't know. I mean, I don't have him. I think... I'd be inclined just to just to have not do anything, you know. I mean, what you what you really ex- I suppose what you're really expecting out of Veltman, you know, what's his what's his kind of ceiling for that for the the next couple of games? Um, but for Gundogan, I'd be thinking, well, you probably would have been th- hoping for like a serious return against Norwich and perhaps a decent return in the third game. So perhaps there's a cause for you to go. Well, I don't want to waste that position. Or that, or that opportunity to to, to haul some points. Um, so yeah, then perhaps you would go in for a Spurs player or 
a second Man United player like Greenwood. It really does, is dependent on your formation, obviously. But that that would be my inclination. I'd, I think if I had Gundogan, I'd, I'd be I'd be looking for an opportunity to to make a, an early transfer to just try and get some extra points. I could do it in my my second team's four four two. So I could do Gundogan to Green because Greenwood's a striker in Sky, isn't he? So I could do yeah. Gundogan to Greenwood in my my second team. And just thinking, the problem I have is that neither of the reasons they're missing seem anywhere near long term. So I think Veltman's is something to do with COVID. So I think he may, you expect him to probably play game week three. And mm. if Gundogan's already back training, you also don't, if he misses this game as a precaution, you think he's going to be back for game week three, I would, I would think. Mm. So either, whichever one you take out or both of them, even if you decide to take both of them out, you, you're only really losing out on one game, aren't you? And to yeah. Me, feel like the, it's worth it to take someone out for one game. In Veltman's case, you're not going to be getting a captain in, I don't think. Because of it. I'm, I'm guessing that if you're moving him on, I don't know what his price is, but you're not going to be able to get anyone particularly high profile no. the same budget. I suppose Gundogan's a bit different. He is a bit more expensive. There is more scope to get someone in, like a Greenwood or something, for him. But I feel, it feels like both of them are only going to miss one more game. I yeah. Say, I think... both, And then you have to play with nine this week. I get why that's yeah. frustrating, but... I kind of feel like they both holds, I think, is my gut feeling at the minute. Yeah. I think, again, it, it depends. I mean, the whole thing about the song move, if, if that was available to you from Gundogan, is that you you effectively, if you wanted to, if you were going to cap Son against Watford, then, you know, you could consider that a free-for-one, couldn't you? Or then I think then, then that is definitely something that I would consider doing. It really does depend on whether you you were wanting to cap Son, though, in that, on that uh, Sunday rather than, I think it's I think it's Bruno into on this on the same day there. Yeah, so a, yeah, he's a way to I can't think of Southampton. No, he, no, that's that's that's, the, that's, the, that's Wolves. It's Wolves. Yeah, it's wolves. Same, yeah, it's Wolves. So it's one of them, isn't it? If you fancy him against Wolves, then maybe don't make the move. But if you really want to get involved in that Watford game for Spurs, then I would consider doing that move. I've already got Sun in my second team. This is where it gets interesting. So Gundogan, I've actually got no real urge to move on, even though he's a doubt. The one player I have got a potential urge to move out is Salah, which seems ridiculously stupid to some. But he's obviously playing the Saturday in game week two this week in a home game with Burnley. And I imagine he's going to be the most popular captain. But then obviously the game week three, he's got Chelsea away. And then you think... Is there someone that, as you said, if you get someone who's playing on a Sunday or a Monday in game week two, and you're prepared to captain them at least once? Yeah. Potentially getting two games for one of Salah and potentially a couple of captains as well. Like Vardy's the one I'm definitely looking at because he's got that Monday game with West Ham in game week two where he's a, a possible alternative captain to Ben Rama or Antonio. Yeah. And that game week three Saturday, there's no real standout captain. And I think he's top nearer the top of us for that game. So potentially you could be taking Salah out on Sunday morning for Vardy and then getting four, or is that what's the four for one, is it? Because you captain Vardy both in the, in the Monday game and the following Saturday. Is that what's classified as a yeah, four? Te- yeah. yeah, technically, yeah. If you're going to cap it, you, you could consider it that, couldn't you? Certainly you're maximising that two for one move, aren't you? If you're going to use it as, a, as both captain options, both games, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm considering that. I'm, I'm, my gut feeling... In, in FPL, I'm normally quite aggressive, but in Sky, I'm finding my first sort of few decisions are more on the cautious side. I, I don't know if it's the, the fear these transfers are going to run out. 
Mm. But I just find myself being very, my gut feeling at the start is to play very cautiously, both in terms of what captains I pick and in terms of not making transfers that seem, they're not necessarily unnecessary, but you kind of know that you're only getting two weeks out of someone now. And I I imagine post-overhaul, you're making a transfer where you could get four or five weeks out of someone. And I'd say my gut feeling to be more reserved. I, I don't know what the advice is for that. It's completely true, and I think um, it really does depend on your mentality. I think I think a lot of people talk about um, fifteen points. Is the transfer you're going to make going to better you better your score by fifteen points from the play that you've got out to the play you've got in over a couple, you know, three or four weeks or whatever? Is normally what they say, just as a baseline kind of thing. Um, for me personally, I. I, I I think it's a good time to make a little punt because because of how short this this overhaul window is. Um, I'm more inclined to, to make one or two transfers and not and not um, not just wait because you're still going to have 38 transfers. I've looked I've looked post overhaul and looked at how many transfers I want to make for the first seven or eight weeks. And there isn't that many. There's about four or five. So because I knew I wasn't going to make be looking to make a lot of transfers post overhaul initially, um, I thought it would be a great opportunity to try and get off to a flyer. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm definitely going to do the Son move, I think, for Salah. Um, with that kind of idea around 15 points, I mean, if Salah scored 10 points against Chelsea, which he could well do, do we think Son's going to better that by 15 points with a game away at Wolves and then a captaincy at home to Watford, which is what I would do? And I, I'd say, yeah, I think he, he probably will. Um and that's even with Salah returning and getting some points against Chelsea. So it's little things like that. But conversely, like the other moves that I made, I'm actually thinking it was a poor move. So I got rid of Tony after the first game because the bookmark's getting rid of both my Arsenal and Brentford assets straight away after that game, which is another reason why I probably should have avoided the game, really, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. And I went Tony to Ings. So Ings proper jammed a penalty at the end of that game. So... Basically, now it's a three for two. So, do I think Ings is going to outscore Tony over the next two by fifteen points with a seven-point head start? He probably he, he could do, um, and that would be happy days if he does. But you take the outcome out of the out of the equation. I think it was probably a ra- bit of a bit of a rash move. But having said that, I do want to have a little punt before before overhaul to try and get off to a flyer. So. On balance, it's a bit, it's a tough call, but I'm kind of slightly regretful. Yeah, this, this, so I've not heard. I think the podcasts I've listened to so far, I've tried to spread out and listen to Sky Pods from various people, and I've heard very little, if I'm being honest, about transfers. Every pod has been hold your transfers. I don't think I've heard anyone say they've made one yet or have any intention of making yeah. it. So, is it that stupid to want to make one, I guess, is my question, because obviously there's loads more experienced managers than me that have got however many years playing this game. If they're not doing one, yeah, I shouldn't be doing one. I think that with FPL, I've been playing the game for long enough now that I kind of trust myself. With, with, with this game, I haven't got that background and history to fall back on, so I'm, I'm not trusting myself is what I'm doubting. But there is something in this Salah Tavardi. Say your case, you've gone son. I've already say got him in one team, and I don't, I don't think I'd... I think I'd rather have Vardy, if I'm being honest, for game week yeah. two. Um, so maybe it is worth a punt in one of the teams to to, to do it. I, I suppose that's the point of having two teams, right? One you can... Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I mentioned it before. I think last season, the overhaul was after five games. So 
you know, using the same mentality last season was probably a bad idea, you know, using four, three or four transfers pre-overhauled, you know, it's a bit too long. But I just think that given that, that it's only three weeks, that, you know, one, I think I'm going to make one transfer in one in one team and perhaps two in, in another team. Um, knowing purely because I know full well that, you know, barring injuries, there isn't a massive amount of transfers I want to make. So I'm, I'm thinking that I might have used six or seven after 10 weeks. And if you base it on the fact that you've got slightly over one a week, um, so if you're if you're clocking under that consistently, then you're all right. I think by I think by overhaul last year, I think it was 15 games to go, and I had 13 transfers, and that was probably about five too little, you know, based on what was happening around me and what other people were doing and things like that, and how people were you know being successful with the transfers. So that's kind of where I would like to be. But you know, if I had fifteen up to fifteen to twenty, it's obviously this you know the good spread of amount of transfers you want with fifteen to go. So I think it's fine. I think with thirty eight transfers from overhaul is probably all right. Or thirty nine, you know, may as well go for it, aren't you? To start with, there are a few options for people as well, aren't there? Say Liverpool assets are one. It could even be Trent, couldn't it? Trent, Salah, anyone. Because if, as long as you get a Sunday or a Monday player in for them. Um, you're going to get a good two for one on any Liverpool asset. Or if people are still carrying Arsenal players through, they could play them against Chelsea on Saturday this week and then move them on Sunday to or Monday to a West Ham. I could do like Pepe or to Antonio, Pepe to Ben Rama or something. Yeah. After the Saturday game. So it feels like there are a few sort of teams that you can target. I think Liverpool and Arsenal are the obvious two if you've got those to transfer out on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But, um, okay. So maybe I'm not so daft for thinking about doing it. So it's, it's just that the fear of going against the crowd, isn't it? And this is where you need to make your own decisions, not get swayed by what everyone else is doing. Because if you, you'll never win by doing the same as everyone else, will you? You need to take a few sort of odd decisions yeah. almost if you're going to get an edge somewhere. And of course, and again, it's like you, you could save your transfers in vain, couldn't you? You could save them all up. You could save quite a lot doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to equate to points so you have to take a few risks sometimes I think I think the general idea is that because it was so short until overhaul don't use any transfers you're going to need them in the future which is completely fine which I completely agree with but if you know if you looked post overhaul and you know roughly how many transfers you're looking to take for captaincy and things like that bearing in mind we've got up to I think it's game week eight um or is it or is it more for the for the um TV fixtures? It's up to about 10, I think you can make a rough gauge, something like there that. There you go. So so you, you could easily do an overhaul where you where you're looking at it and you're chaining only four transfers or five together. And so if you've taken one or two pre-overhaul and you've used seven by ten games in, I think that's totally fine. So it's a balancing act, isn't it? Really? It's about you do need to save them, but it's that different mindset to FPO as well, in the sense for me of understanding that these games and like for example I wouldn't dream about taking Salah out of my FPL team for game week three to get him back in again but overhaul and because the days of the week matter so much in Sky where it doesn't make any difference in FPL there's no price rises to take into account here dropping Salah for two or three games as an example doesn't doesn't have to be a bad thing in this does it and I think it'll be people that make that decision that do risk dropping a high owned premium asset yeah it could work out. I say it could really backfire if he scores a hat trick against Chelsea because I don't think many will get rid of him. But yeah, 
it seems like as good a time as any to get rid of Sally. You've got two other premium strikers with two good games in Sun and in Vardy, and potentially Kane if you think he's going to play the second game. And you've got Salah sitting there with one game in that period and a game you're not going to captain him in. Well, I don't think many will captain him in that Chelsea game. No. So it doesn't feel like it can do that much damage if he's not being captained either by, by anyone else. Even if he manages to get eight points or something against Chelsea, it's not the end of the world, is it? Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's the whole, you know, if you bear in mind captaincy um, statistics on him on that day, they like to be very low. So therefore, like you say, it's not going to hurt you as much. So I think it's I think it's a good move to make, and I think what's really interesting the, the difference between Sky and FPL. I think I feel like like Salah is perhaps more essential than Bruno in FPL. So I know a lot of people there's big talk uh, pre pre season of it. Are you going to go for Bruno or Bruno yes or whatever? And I've gone in with a team that hasn't got Bruno in it, and I got about eighty odd, which was quite happy with. But obviously the Bruno template smashed it and got hundred odd points. But people are going in with Greenwood or you know, which is completely viable. Um, but you wouldn't go without Salah in FPL, would you? But in this game, if you bear in mind like players like Virgil van Dijk top scored two seasons ago, um, there were situations where people were, were capping Virgil van Dijk over salary games quite often because he was, you know, guaranteed getting temp, you know, hitting uh, tears all the time. Um, so that's quite interesting. So that's another thing to bear in mind that if Virgil van Dijk gets back to his old form or Trent, you know, starts to perform, then these become viable captain op- options on Liverpool days, and perhaps it does allow for things like you know getting Lukaku in, who's perhaps got a game on on the Sunday that you want to cap. You know, so this is the kind of thing that's that's really great about Sky, which is what I really really like. I think I agree with that. That yeah, Salah's Mister Essential in FPL if there is such a thing, and but Bruno more in this. I'd quite happily look yeah. in FPL despite the fact I just got a hat trick off him. I think he's yeah. the premium. I'll be looking to drop if I want to get. a a better striker in than I currently got. But in this, it feels like Bruno's kind of the one player you can't really afford to lose in this. Maybe if the Bruyne comes into form, maybe you'd have a bit of a decision whether you want both or one or the other. But there's yeah, not really yeah. any competition for Bruno in midfield in this game, is there? Apart from the Bruyne, I think I've already noticed that. Talking about your differentials, though, you are just talking about, obviously, their captioning Van Dijk and things. Coming into game week two, it seems like another preset template for captains. I'd imagine most people are already lining up Salah Saturday, Bruno Sunday, Antonio Monday. Um, again, my cautious gene is kicking in and thinking I'll just copy everyone else and that'll yeah. pretty much guarantee that I'll be in with the group and not miles behind after the overhaul. But there is a part of me that wants to take a risk somewhere. You yeah. I'm thinking about captaining Trent. I say he's in, he's in my team and it feels like it's more viable in this game than FPL to go for a Liverpool defender over Salah, for example, as a, as a captain. Yeah. So he gets 10 points. Salah actually needs to do quite a lot. Trent, if he keeps a clean sheet and basically plays about 70, 80 passes, he's going to get near 10 points, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Trent, I reckon. Um, don't hold me to it, but I'm, at the minute... I, mean, well, I wanted to set the captains, but they're not allowing you to do it in the game in the minute, which is stressing me out. But um, I think if I had done, I think I would have put it on Trent at the minute. I, kn- I know, like, stats are there to be broken and, you know, I read stuff about Salah's only scored one goal in seven against Burnley. Things got one goal and one assist in seven against Burnley. That That is a factor because Burnley haven't d- d- seemed to have not changed the side for about 10 years. So it's a bit like the... You know, maybe this the way that they play is something that nullifies Salah. Maybe it's the so 
But then again, if he scored a hat trick, you wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelid, would you? Um, but I'm kind of I'm tempted to go Trent um, based based on what you just said. I think that let's say that that um, that narrative is true, and the you know they do blunt Salah, he doesn't really get do much on Saturday. Then it would have been a good move, you know. So I'm I'm tempted to go Trent, but I think the other two are, are absolutely nailed on for captaincy for me in, in the other two games. I've just I've, I've I've still not completely got my head around the point scoring system in Sky. I, I roughly know how it works, but I haven't managed to work out the comparisons. For example, for Trent to get twelve points, he needs to do this, this, this. For Salah to get twelve points, he needs to do that, that, that. Yeah. And I haven't got that clear in my head yet what the differences are to, to yeah. match each other. But it, uh, yeah, it feels like Trent getting a clean sheet, a passing tier, and an assist is probably more likely than Salah scoring two or three. And it kind of feels like that's what Salah's going to need to do to match that sort of haul from Trent. Um, I suppose he shoots a lot, Salah, so he's going to get the, probably at least tier one. Yeah. And I think I think the thing is as well, if you, well, most people have got both. You know, I've got both. So what do you stand to really lose if, if you know, if one of them go, I must suppose Salah could go absolutely mental, score a hat-trick and Trent does nothing at all. That Then that would be a problem. But do we think that, one of them's going to completely outscore the other. I don't think so. Um, well, there's calls in this game, generally, having not played Sky. It feels like it's quite hard for a striker to get 15, 16 points. For a defender and midfielder, it seems like it's semi-reliable from the best players. It could happen. Yeah, I mean, it can ha- I mean, plays like Trent, it could happen, for, for sure, you know. Um, um, he, um, and, and Virgil van Dijk, if, he, if, say, Virgil van Dijk scores in a game, um, you know, he was, he was hitting big double-digit returns, We've seen Cancelo last season. Like anyone who's on that Cancelo hall last season was laughing. He got he got fifty. Well, he got twenty five points doubled. So everyone was sitting on fifty points um, on on one particular game. I think he got he got clean sheet goal. He got I think he got a goal and two assists from from right back and passing tears and clean all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I mean defenders can haul really big, really big. So it feels like yeah, in Sky you look at what upsides of certain players are, but. It seems completely different in Sky to FPL. It does feel like Sky in Sky, the defenders, especially the really attacking ones with higher chances of clean sheets, have got a really higher chance of, like, as you say, 20 pointers. Where Salah's not going to get 20 points, doesn't feel in FPL, he could do it because he's a midfielder and gets a few extra little things. But in Sky, it doesn't feel like 20 points is really likely. It's a bit like it reminds me a bit of Chan Man, though, is my problem when we when we played the Championship Manager fantasy game that I always felt like I was trying to be too clever with too many captains and that ultimately was my undoing, I think. And I don't want to fall into that trap with Sky now that I try and be too clever and go against probably, what, 50, 60% of the game by Captain Insala. But I think I think that, you know, but if you ever are going to take a risk where, you know, there's going to be big templates again forming, um, you know, at overhaul or, or at least not long after overhaul, you know, if you're going to take a punt on something, you I mean it's not going to damage you too much by doing it now. Um, you know, Salah might be rubbish against Burnley, like he's always been, and not do anything. And Trent could have a worldie. I think, you know, I think the thing about Trent this year is that I think a lot of people are expecting him to, to you know, he's trying to prove a point after you know being injured and perhaps not being selected uh, for England, you know, on occasions. And um, I think he's there to prove a point. I'm, I'm. You know, there's going to be times uh, this season when he's going to get get monster hauls. You know, score a free kick, two assists, clean sheet, passing bonus. 
he's going to do it and he's going to do it a couple of times. I think the thing is that, like, for a player like Salah, he might hit 15 points more consistently, if you know what I mean. And there will be times when he'll get big holes. So he'll probably get double-digit holes more consistently because it's Salah and he'll score 25 goals, you know, at the end of the year. But but it is sometimes for me, you know, attacking defenders, particularly like from teams like Liverpool, Man City, that can get these huge holes. So I think now and again, it's worth taking a punt. I'll think about that one. There's, there's two things to think about him. Whether to get Vardy in for Salah on the Sunday or the Monday of game week two, and whether yeah. to get Trent against, uh, against Salah for the Burnley. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's not, it won't, be, it won't be a popular move. I mean, come on, I mean, you know, to the, to the rest, but we'll see. Cool. Let's, not, into, let's go on to post-overhaul a little bit. I know you've had some thoughts about post-overhaul. The, the thing that's already on my mind, I think, especially we've talked about in midfielders already, is whether to sort of prioritise midfielders with more attacking threat or the ones that sort of hit the, the tiers the most. So there's a couple of head-to-heads I've written down. So, for example, Ben Rama v Suchek. You've got Ben Rama, who's probably not going to get any tiers, but has got way more opportunity to score and assist, I think, versus Suchek, who may get a few tackles, may get may even meet passing tiers and has got a little bit of a goal threat. You've got, like, at Tottenham, I think there's a few examples. Hoiberg against Mora or something like that. That's a... 50-51, Tielemans against Barnes, something like that. And I'm, I'm, I haven't really worked out in my head yet what the best type of midfielder especially is to get, the mm-hmm. sort of safe ones that can, like a Jorginho, who could get passing and tackling most games, and maybe the odd pen if he still takes them once Lukaku starts playing, or whether to go for the more attacking one who's probably got more chance to get goals and assists but it's never really going to get the tiers. And say FPL, you just instantly gravitate towards the, the attacking players, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't feel like in this that it quite works like that. It's again, it's it's going to be a mix of both, isn't it? It's going to be to do with your budget, who you want, where, where your enablers are going to be. If you can find plays that are going to tick over, um, Ben Rama's do check seems an absolute awful, awful one to try and work out. Like I'm, I'm guessing, even this weekend, their scores were fairly similar, even though Ben Rama was deemed to have had the far better game. I think I think Suchek outscored him by two points. I think. I think Ben Rama got 11 and Suchek got 13. Can you perhaps have a look? But, have a look um, but um, I think that, yeah, I mean, Suchek's a great option. I've, I've got Suchek in my second team. Um, so that was that was the move I made for Pepe. So from my other side that I did Tony to Ings, I did Pepe to, to Suchek. And that's the side that I'll probably leave now until overhaul. Um, I think Suchek's a great option. He, he passing, I think, did he hit tackling tiers? Shots and score. I think that's what he did. I don't think he hit a passing bonus. Um, tackles tier two, shots tier one, a goal. Yeah, yeah, it's a great option. You know, he's always get. I think he scored ten goals last season. Um, you, you know, he's he gets in. The, you know, he gets his foot in. I think he's a really great option. I think in terms of like post overhaul stuff, I did do some preseason kind of looking at at stats, passing stats, tackling stats, things like that for this very thing, midfielders and. And defenders mainly, but I think because of the lack of data so far, I'm more concerned with with fixtures. I think post overhaul, and I've looked at fixtures up until the end of the next TV, set of TV fixtures, and also um, I've looked up until what I think will probably be the second overhaul, which I think will be after game week 23. So essentially, half a season, 19 games, um, and interestingly, Wolves and Arsenal. Are top of both, I think, in terms of like things like defense, 
but are you going to want to go with Arsenal defenders? So it's little considerations like that. Now I'm looking at things like, you know, Arsenal Wolves top of the top of the pile for that. Who who do I think might be a good value in terms of, of their assets that you know might be worth keeping in based on price and based on you know can they hit tiers? So is can find any decent Wolves centre backs that can get four or five points at six or seven million or whatever. That's the kind of considerations that I'm making without much data. Obviously, we're going to have a bit more in the next couple of games. The general observation for the weekend, if we look at Ben White, for example, the general observation was he had a shocking game. Got Yeah. But he's clearly been brought in for his distribution. Arteta made his name kind of working under Guardiola. He's very much based around possession and passing and things. There's no reason to think that he shouldn't hit passing tiers most games even if he's not defending very well in that sense. Yeah. And so everyone's, the natural, I think, instinct to people now is to not to even consider him post-overhaul just because the, the assumption now is he's not a very good defender. But for Sky, you'd like to think that 7.8, he's still not a bad defender. Whether Tierney's worth, I don't know what he is, it's slightly more expensive, I think 8.3 or something. Yeah. Um, they're the funny ones that people like <laughs> because... Saying, so, I think most people will not want him anymore just because he had a bad game once against Tony. And then, if the yeah, I mean, look at look at the fixtures post overhaul. They've got Norwich at home, Burnley away, Tottenham at home. You're a counter attacking side. Brighton away, Crystal Palace at home, Aston Villa at home, and then Leicester away. You know that's perhaps slightly different. But those first six fixtures, I think they probably have more possession than the all of those sides. And obviously, possession equates to uh, to passes not necessarily a good performance or wins or anything like that for the team, but we're after points for the, off the players, aren't we? So based on that, you know, if you can find the right player um, and, you know, the winnable games as well. So players like Tierney, for instance, who could get attacking returns from, from that set of fixtures. Um, you've got to consider them really as bad as they are. You've got, you've got to consider them. I think it's quite a good ploy to try and highlight. I think most teams have got a defender who's sort of deemed to be the better one for passing. So I'm a Villa fan and Conte obviously tends to play quite safe and Mings is more expensive. It goes to Mings to try and do a more elaborate pass forwards. And I think it'll be the same now with Leicester. I think they'll start with Sancho and Vestergaard and Sancho will be the safe passer. And I think the onus will be on Vestergaard to try and get them up the pitch. I think um, Man City have probably got it a bit, a bit like it. I think Diaz is a more than capable passer, but I think Stones has got the, the impetus to try and do something a bit more elaborate than what DS is. Yeah. And I think if you can identify the, the main passes for each defence, they're going to get a lot of the ball because teams know that's where the build-up starts. So I'm sure it'll be Maguire at Man United, not Varane. There's nothing wrong with Varane's passing, but it's going to be Maguire. And I think if you can find those, pick a team full of those defenders, if they've got a, that Maguire attacking threat, going to get a lot of the ball. Vestergaard attacking threat, going to get a lot of the ball. Yeah. Um, they, they could be... The, the best ones to own in the sky, I think. And I think Dunk's got that at Brighton. I think he'll be, he's the one that's now tasked with distribution. I don't know about White. Maybe it is going to be. I think he'll be the one that's got the distribution in him. I don't think he's got any attacking threat. So, yeah. obviously, it's a bit more limited than some of the other ones. But I think it's something worth bearing in mind that if you can identify those, those passes. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal are a weird one because, you know, people are kind of mocking them at the minute. But let's face it, they're still a top-off side, aren't they? they they're going to finish... Eighth, they're going to get clean sheets somewhere down the line. They're, that's they're going to—that's on record. 
Well, you know, you know, and I, you know, and I'm a Stoke fan, you know, I've got no beef with Arsenal really, but um, you know, you'd expect them to do all right, wouldn't you? Despite the fact that people are saying that they, you know, they've had a shocking start, the rubbish and all that, they're still going to finish in the top half. They're still going to pick up good results. They're still going to get clean sheets down the line somewhere, despite the tough start that they've had. So you know, still, I'm not, not going to say top half. I still back them to get at least ten clean sheets. Even yeah. if they finish eleventh or twelfth, I think that's possible. They could have finished eleven, eleven or twelve. Yeah, yeah, they could. yeah, of course they could. But you know, they, we should be ruling out their assets, particularly when you look at the fixtures post overall. So I'm definitely considering some, you know, an Arsenal player. I mean, you could really play uber safe and go go Xhaka, picking up five points every single week or whatever. But you know, we, so you know, that's the thing to consider. Yeah. Anyone else? We kind of we won't talk too much about. Post overhaul, because I'm sure we'll chat again before then. You can give me some more wisdom around what to do post overhaul. And I say I made a, a rough plan, and now three or four of my players might be away on international duty right at the start of game week four. Yeah. So um, obviously we don't know what the, the fallout of that is yet. So I'm not. I'm going to leave that alone until we've got a bit more knowledge about whether the likes of Rafinha is going to be around or not for game week four, as he's been called up. Yeah. For- but it's but it's it's just basically coming back to what you said before. So like. In terms of what who's on top of the ticker fit until the end of the next TV uh, fixtures, you've got Leeds fifth and Chelsea sixth. So it's perfect example of you know do you go Rafina um, or do you go or do you go Jorginho? You know you've got those considerations to make or go or going both alongside Bruno. So you know the people are going to be making those decisions post overhaul and thinking about. And again, it's going to be reliant on on captaincy days as well, isn't it? So I'm personally I'm going to get fed up if I keep looking at a midfield that goes two two two. And it could more than happen one week. If I've got a load of attacking midfielders in there, they're not going to get passing tiers. You've got to get your weeks where they all get two. You'll also get the weeks where all three of them will get double figures or something. I think I'd yeah. rather keep looking at a team where there's drippings of five or six, like most weeks. So I don't think I'm going to... I think my strategy might be to have one sort of more, we'll call them a safer midfield pick that's got more scope for tiers, but maybe less attacking output. And then maybe have one more expensive player in there who's... Like yeah. Or someone, but I think I really like. I really like. I know we're not talking about plays too much, but I really like T. Elements. I think he's. I think he's great. I mean, he got both. He got. He got eight points, didn't he, without any ta- attacking returns? And I think he'll he'll pick up five, five goals, five assists. He, he's on pens when Vardy's not on the pitch. I, I really rate him. I think he's the kind of player that you you would stick in your team and just leave. You know, if you given a good run of fixtures. And I think they have got quite a good run of fixtures until second overhaul by the looks of it. Um, so, he, you know, play like that, 8.7 million. You know, like you say, you might want to, if you're thinking, if you're inclined to pick up on players that are going to get you those ticky over those points, players like him are a gold dust, really. Yeah, but not the kind of ones you'd get in a two-for-one short term, like what we're talking about now, because he's not going to get enough points over these next two games, for example, pre-overhaul to justify the transfer, really. Yeah, perhaps perhaps that's when you do kind of go, right, I'm going to tailman's for well, I've got Havertz, Havertz, Havertz or whatever, you know, or, or an attacking or an attacking player that you've got, they've got two great home fixtures where you're expecting like Harvey Barnes, for instance, to get a big haul, then perhaps that's when you do make those adjustments to your team where you, you you take out the kind of point collectors and go for chasing some holes. It does feel like getting six points off him is far more likely than getting six points off a, a Dharma Traore or a say or a Pepe or someone because yeah Tielemans getting passing tiers is far more guaranteed than 
Traore getting an assist, for example, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that's where the difference is. That That's quite interesting to learn. Um, cool. I think that's it, mate. That's all the stuff I, I sort of had noted down for now. Um, it, so it was more to do with the, what to do with these transfers and these two-for-ones and some captain thoughts. But um, we'll probably catch up next time and I would have done anything. I'll still be on my 40 no. transfers and I would have captained the same captain as everyone else. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll have captain Salah as well, yeah. You should never tie yourself down to anything in case you want to change your mind, but yeah, we'll see. That's one. Well, I hope everyone's learned a little bit there. Next stage of my uh, tick box of Sky Rookie mistakes done. Uh, we'll catch up probably around the overhaul time now. Nice one. Cheers, mate. See you in a bit.